This is Environmental Voices Rising Women at the Mic, and I'm your host, Michael Crawford Zimmering. Are you looking for a different way to think and talk about climate change so that you aren't feeling helpless or hopeless when listening to mainstream media's take with doom and gloom scenarios? It's true the science has spoken and the impacts are coming faster than originally predicted, but this is not the time to give up or become disengaged. At Environmental Voices Rising, we are shifting the narrative and bringing you stories from women environmental leaders who are working on solutions right now in their communities. These leaders are addressing the challenges of global warming with innovative and workable solutions, the opposite of the doomsayers. We also want to engage you, the audience, with inspirational stories and opportunities to find solutions in a community of like-minded people. At Environmental Voices Rising, we acknowledge the magnitude of the challenges, and although you may feel small, you are not powerless. Please join us, subscribe to the podcast and newsletter at evoicesrising.com. We are partnering with Tree Sisters, and for each new subscriber, we make a donation on your behalf to planting trees and reforesting the earth. Thank you for joining us today. Supply chain entered our collective vocabulary in April 2020 when we suddenly experienced the supply chain disruption. Empty shelves, toilet paper shortages, a ship stuck in the Suez Canal, and shipping containers piling up at the docks with no way to empty them. A working supply chain makes the connections and keeps things moving smoothly so that products can get from manufacturing to us, the consumers. And it turns out there are professionals who know how to do this. I just met one, and her name is Sarah Barber. Sarah has spent over 20 years in the apparel and footwear industry, bringing products for manufacturers into the economy and mastering the ins and outs of the supply chain. And then she had an idea. Why not reverse engineer these skills into supporting a market for recycling? Sarah is my guest today, and she is going to share with us just what her company, EV, does, how she works to reduce textile waste by getting those old clothes, jeans, socks you no longer wear to companies that can reuse the fabrics. We'll talk about the circular economy and how communities can organize recycling drives where you can bring your used clothing drop them off, and get them shipped to a company like Evie and feel good that you are helping to reduce waste. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Great. Sarah, could you start by telling us about your company and its name, Evie? So let's start with the name. Okay. (laughs) The name is actually a play on the word of the street that I grew up on. So without divulging the street name I grew up on, it is pronounced Evie, Evie Way, but not spelled the same way. When searching for a name, you got a lot of advice. It should be two syllables. It should be easy to remember. And obviously it needs to be available for a website name and things like that. So after many reiterations, I sort of landed on that. It just resonated with me. It sort of took me home. It 
took me to a place where, you know, I was comfortable and I felt that if my direction changed in one way or the other, the name would still work and be able to grow with me. So that's how I sort of landed and it was available. And so that's how I landed with Evie. Going into the other parts of your question, how did I use my background to get into this? So as I got into my career and learning about what goes into the footwear and apparel industry, you really start looking at the waste that's involved and how can you do better? And most of the effort is upstream. How can we design better? How can we plan better? But at the end of the day, I said, there's still a garment being made and still a garment that's being used and ultimately a garment that needs to be disposed of. What happens there? And that was just sort of like, nobody wanted to talk about that. So over the years, I've done a lot of research and I've made a lot of connections in this field. And I wanted to sort of say, okay, I want to focus on that. I want to, that's great that the upstream is doing what they're doing. We need that too, but we also need the downstream. And it's become quite the adventure in learning everything that's out there. The common denominator though, is that it's another form of supply chain. It all needs the same thing. It needs planning. It needs logistics. It needs reporting. It needs, you know, someone at the end of the day to pay the bills. That is what the supply chain to bring stuff in covers. So why can it not also be used to take it back out and put it into another program or scheme as it can be called? So I said, I can do this. I can position myself to support the other end of this chain and feel good about what I'm doing. This is great on so many levels, but I just like to highlight your idea that you could take something that you already know and leverage it to create your own company. And your company is now part of the solution, getting clothes and fabrics back into the economy, which is what the circular economy looks like. All the products that are made have what's called an end of life and you no longer need it. You throw it away, give it away, recycle it. And most of it likely ends up in the landfill somewhere anyway. But the idea of a circular economy is that the materials are still viable so they can be brought back and reused in another way. Tell us about your first adventure and how successful that was. Yes. So it started with socks, something very small, something that almost everybody has. And it's something that cannot be donated to the Salvation Army, Goodwill, or any of those organizations due to hygiene. So they cannot take used socks as a donation. So I said, okay, well, instead of sending them to those organizations, just for them to have to turn around and somehow get them into a recycling program, why not take that burden off of them? We can do this directly ourselves. It saves time, it saves money, uh, and it saves energy. I, that was my go-in premise to why to do this. But the big question was where to send it. As a big organization like Salvation Army and Goodwill, you know, they have bigger partners to work with and they have bigger resources to utilize. As a single person with, you know, just a box or two at a time, I said, we really need a local or at least somebody in the USA who can manage this and do something. And so I went on a little hunt. And I found 
a sock manufacturer in, ooh, I'm going to say Alabama. And what they do is they invite you to send back any socks, not just the ones that they make, any socks. And then they get it turned around. And I believe it goes into the automotive industry as insulation in cars. My goal was, I was like, oh, can't you remake it into new socks? And, and that technology exists. That is not what this particular partner did. But I was like, hey, it kept it out of landfill. It went into a second use. Let's do it. And I just started asking around. I said, who's got socks? And they came out of the woodworks. <laughs> <laughs> this is an interesting project that I know you had, which was the bra recycling event. Tell us about the bra recycling event. So I'm not sure. how I don't remember how I came across her. It was probably a Facebook ad or something about that. But there's a lady in Arizona. Her name is Elaine. And her passion is supporting women. It's specifically women in domestic violence shelters, women coming out of prison, cancer survivors. And she has decided that her field will be bras. It's a hot commodity, apparently, especially coming out of jail or again in, in shelters. This is they actually have to lock them up, or the women will like just take them and, and for themselves. So what she does is she puts a call out to the entire nation and says, hey, help me collect used and or new bras to support my efforts. We send them all to her in Arizona. She will sort through them, give them to the organization she supports. And then if they are unusable, she ensures that they go into a recycling program, much like the socks I described earlier. She's a wonderful lady. I've had many conversations on the phone with her and it is the bra recyclers. And she has also developed a network of brands that support her efforts. So it's just been a real joy to work with her and support her efforts. So what you do is like you then, since this is what she does and you know where these things can go, you actually can get organizations or individuals to have the drives. Correct. The community drives, which I, creating community drives is part of your program, right? Yeah. So think of me as the drop-off place, right? So instead of dropping it off at the landfill or dropping it off at your local charity, you can drop it off with me. And by doing it as a community, so instead of 80 people dropping off at the post office or 80 people dropping off at another location or different locations to consolidate it into one shipment to Elaine or to the, the sock company, we save about 80% in shipping costs. And you only have one person needing to go to the post office to ship that box versus 80 different people going. So the time and energy that you save is pretty valuable once you start adding it up. And then again, you're taking it out of the organizations that have to do this. They have to do it anyway, but again, the less that they have to do because they do it so much it's going to be better for them as well. They can concentrate on the things that they can affect, they can sell, and the, the money that they can make for their own organization's purposes. So I'm, I'm going to jump in here and give the audience a nudge, an invitation. Create a recycling event with friends or your organizations to collect something like socks, bras, jeans. Get them all together and then ship them to Evie. The address is on the website. E-E-V-I-E-E dot -E -E com. 
This can be a lot of fun. And this is where EV becomes the drop-off center. You don't have to do it. I had teenagers in my Girl Scout troop create a service project to collect shoes for Souls for Souls, another organization that collects and recycles used clothing. So, Sarah, you can help people with these, organize these drives, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can help organize it within, like with a church or a community center, and or I've just put out calls to my city on in certain groups, and then the word just goes around. I said, hey, this week, call me up. I'll come get the socks from you, or you can drop them off at my house. There'll be a box outside if it's that's more convenient. And I usually do it for a certain time period, and then I box it all up, send it off, and I let everybody know this is how much we collected. This is how much we potentially saved by doing it together versus separately. There's always somebody who says, hey, when are you going to do it again? All right. And I'm like, soon. Soon we'll do it again. <laughs> That's the part that makes you happy, right? <laughs> so I know you have a lot of resources on your webpage as well, and you call out a lot of companies that are beginning to do these kinds of things. Can you just like give us a few hints of some of the companies that you know and what they're doing that's very similar to what you're doing? But Yeah, so there definitely are companies that are showing up or maybe they've been around a while. I'm just, we're just finding out about them now because they're maybe not necessarily in our area that are doing similar programs as well as very specific programs. So example one is you will have a specific brand who says, Hey, buy our stuff, then recycle it with us. And we'll give you credit towards your next purchase. That's a very common program that's out there. You'll find it with a lot of apparel companies nowadays. You will also find brands that will say, you bought it from us, but maybe you didn't use it too much. So it's still in pretty good condition. Again, we will buy it back from you and then resell it. So there's a big secondhand market for apparel and clothing. So Patagonia is doing this. And a lot of people are aware of Thread Up, which is a huge consignment program where you actually send the clothes to them they do the website, they advertise, they collect the money and then give you your share when your product does sell. And then there's companies like, I think it's TerraCycle. That's a big global company now. Right. And they've been around a while. They partner with many brands as well as they have boxes you can buy. So a lot of those programs, when you get to the TerraCycles, the Ridwells, there is a cost to the consumer to participate. And that's where I can come with the, well, if you do it as a community, it really brings that price point per person down. But TerraCycle has partnered with a lot of brands out there. There are some free brand-specific programs on their website, such as I think the Bosch, your contact lenses, mm. Big Pens, the Brita Filters, and a lot of, I've seen, pet food packaging. And so you just collect that brand and then you send it off to the address they tell you to, they give you the shipping label. Whereas if you want to do something a little bit more generic, like you just want to do stuffed animals, they will sell you a box. I think it's a hundred dollars, but then you can shove as many stuffed animals in that box as you can and ship it back to them and they will take care of the rest. So there are definitely those programs. Gridwell is a new one in the Pacific Northwest that I came across. They will put a box on your door and then you just put stuff in that box as you don't need it anymore. And for a monthly subscription, they come by and pick it up and take it away. What was the name of that company again? Ridwell, R-I-D-W-E-L-L. -L. Yep, 
They are expanding. They're trying to expand pretty quickly across the nation. I've got my eyes on that one. It holds a lot of promise. I won't hide the right. fact that I'm a little worried about the labor situation in the United States <laughs> to accomplish it, but uh, I do think it has promise because it makes it easy for the consumer. Yes, absolutely. Making this easy for the consumer. Tell us about the Blue Jean Go Green. Oh, oh. This is great. So Blue Jeans Goes Green is a program run by the Better Cotton Initiative. And what they do is they take any denim, they do like it to be 90% cotton or more, and they will then take it and turn it around into housing insulation. Habitat for Humanity is a big recipient of this product. So your local chapter of Habitat Humanity can petition or send in a request for this materials into their housing projects. But you yourself can also buy this product at your local Home Depot or Lowe's for your own personal use. It is not cheap, but I've heard it's, and I've never built a house, so I can't speak from personal experience, but I have heard that it's actually really good insulation material. So, you know, it's one of those where you probably get what you pay for. It's not the pink stuff. It doesn't have the fiberglass. It's all cotton, but I've heard that it's a really good product to be used in homes and insulation projects. So, so a lot of brands also partner with them. Thank you for pointing out all these other resources and companies who are consciously making an effort to reduce waste and contribute to the circular economy. I wanted to go back to where you are focusing, and that is helping communities to find ways to participate. Tell us about one of the events that you did help organize. So there is a local organization here called LEAF. It's called Local Ecology Agriculture of Fremont. And their big initiative is they grow food for the local food bank. So actually fresh produce and they measure it in pounds. So I think they donate anywhere from five to 7,000 pounds a year to the local food bank. I met the new president of the organization and she and I hit it off. And I told her that, you know, my recycling efforts, and she's just like, yes, we, I want in. I, we should do this together. They were just about to kick off their annual plant sale. And so she said, what if we advertised the recycling and we set up boxes for them to people to drop off when they come to pick up their plants? I said, this is great. So that's what we did. We put the word out. We set up tables. I showed up every Saturday. They manned it during the week. And we collected not only socks, bras, and denim, but we expanded it a little bit to paper bags because the paper bags also then went to the food banks. We did pens and crayons. We did CDs and, or the Brita filters. Mm -hmm. So my only criteria was that anything we collected, we needed to already have known where to take it. We weren't collecting garbage to hold on to it. We were collecting and we had to have an avenue for recycling. And so TerraCycle played a big part in this. We used their programs to ship off the Brita filters, the pens, and the CDs, I believe. The crayons, we found a local provider just up the road in Danville who recycles them into new crayons for hospitals. And then, of course, the denim socks and bras already had partners to work with. So... It was really exciting just knowing that 
how much we were taking. I don't have the stats on what we collected, but it was several hundreds bags, several hundreds of pounds of denim. And, you know, we probably shipped off 20 boxes of socks to the recycling center. So it was very positive and successful. Yes, exactly. And that's what you want to do. You want to be able to empower communities to do this themselves. Since you have established yourself as a point person and with all your connections, you can actually empower them and then you can just like consult with them. Exactly. Because it shouldn't end with me here, right? I can only do so much. I can only touch so many people. But if then the next zip code next town over there's a point person that does something similar and then the next town the next town and then it just grows into a network and a program so i'm looking forward to seeing that develop over the years there is another avenue of recycling that i heard you talk about and that is overstock this would be a company organization that had too much product left over tell us the story of the overstocked aprons so i was at a conference specifically talking about waste. And there were several sessions dedicated to recycling. And I met a couple of ladies that were also pretty much ingrained in textiles and how do we manage this? One of the ladies, she said, hey, I've got 100,000 aprons with a corporate logo on it that needs to be destroyed. The owner of the logo said, I cannot have this out in the marketplace. You cannot just donate these, they have to be destroyed. You know, you just hurt because you're like, they're perfectly good aprons. (laughs) Certainly we could use it, but okay, we understand. So she was at her wit's end. She's like, I don't know where to take these. I don't know what to do with them. So I helped her do a little research and came across two or three organizations that were potentially could help us. I think I scared two of them away with the volume. They were like, oh, we're we're not ready for that yet. (laughs) But there was the organization in New York who that was at least willing to talk and see what could be done. I unfortunately don't know the end result that happened, but I do know that they talked and they said, if you can get it to New York, then we can do something with it. I think that's where what they were working on last I heard. That particular organization has also expanded to Philadelphia, so maybe they got a little bit closer. They could help out. <laughs> but that's okay. But that's actually another resource that if you have a company with a product that you're no mm-hmm. longer going to use, right, definitely. I, I have just sometimes like, oh, my God, I don't want that to go in the landfill. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. except there's many organizations that are getting good funding to do the research, to do bigger, larger scale operations for this. So I'm keeping my eye on all those guys, too, to see how those pan out. So tell us what else is on your website. I think you have a shop or something or what? I do. So when I started this adventure, I said, okay, there's a cost to doing this. And right now I'm, I'm funding a lot of it on my own. I planned for it. I saved up. I put it aside. And so this is the money that I'm, I'm using to fund the operations. But I said, you know, people like to get something like a reward for what they're doing, right? And they bought this thing and now they're just going to give it away and somebody else potentially could make money off of it. You know, the person donating it would like to get something for it. So what I thought is, well, why can't the person donating also have the opportunity to get and purchase maybe at a lower price the product that it's actually being made into? 
So my first thought was on the insulation, but that's big stuff. That's a little bit more, you know, you got to be building a home to want that stuff. So I said, what, what is the normal, well, normal person wants socks, right? Everybody can use socks. If you get socks, I want a pair of socks. So I actually started looking for products that were made from recycled materials. And I have found socks. I have found shower curtains. I have found yarn. So if you're a knitter or crocheter, I actually have yarn that is made from recycled denim. So someone took your blue jeans, they broke it down, they respun it and have created a product that you can make new stuff from. There are also t-shirts. I don't carry those yet. And, you know, I'm constantly looking for new products in this space. And that's what I want to build my shop around. I want to build the shop around goods that are made from recycling so that you, the end consumer, can see circularity, right? You can actually say, hey, I donated denim, I donated socks that then created this new product that you have in your hands. And I think that's a really good feeling. I like that. What else is in your, like your business model or your future plans? Oh, it seems like a really big enterprise. So I'm like, I want to cover all the bases. It could be. It's, it's really hard right now to, to really think super big because I really like the connection I make to the community. So as I said before, if I can just even build the three little cities around me here in California to really engage and show the power of what we can do as a group versus individually, and then spread that knowledge and that education around. And then if they move on and pick it up and decide to copy paste it somewhere else and then so forth and so on across the country, the state, however you want to look at it, we're winning every time somebody does that. So these are models that you're visioning, like having models, yeah. which that's, I mean, that's how I see it. Like, oh, this is a model of how we in our community could do something like this. Correct. And this model could already exist in Kansas for all I know, right? Because I don't know what somebody there is doing, but I would hope that again, building it, getting the feedback, getting the website out there, getting the hits that we'll all find each other and come together and start partnering and supporting each other on these efforts. And then if we attract the attention of the companies with the capital backing and the equipment, you know, we can scale up with them and be a part of their solution. And that's why I told somebody, I just, I want to feed the machine. I don't want to be the machine. I want to feed it. So, you know, let the big Amazons and the Microsofts of the world build the infrastructure but then let me help you feed it to bring it to scale. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to promote your website and I'm going to spell it. So it's E-E-V-I-E-E.com. That's correct. Please go and check out Sarah's website, ev.com. She has uh, lots of resources and she will help you or your organization create a recycling drive. Sarah, this has been really great. I always like to end my show by asking my guests if there's somebody, another woman, either in the environment or just in general, who has inspired you or inspires you now. So I want to mention the lady that I met through LEAF. Her name is also Elaine. And before I met her, I really kind of thought I was on an island here in, in my efforts. And when I met her she instantly grabbed on and 
told me her life story and how she became the president of LEAF. And this is her, her second act as well. She used to work in tech and now she runs a nonprofit. And just working with her over those six weeks has really been very encouraging to me that I'm on the right path, that this can be done. I'm doing the right thing. It feels good. And there are others who will support me. So she and I keep in contact all the time. We plan to work together again and I support her nonprofit. And then she, of course, supports mine. And so having her sort of in the wings has been super helpful. There are so many good points about that, especially like collaboration and support to grow whatever it is you're growing. And so, Sarah, thank you so much. I was so intrigued by this whole business that you're creating, and I'm so happy that you had time to share with us today. So thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity again. Thank you for joining us today. We invite you to follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at eVoicesRising and subscribe on our website, eVoicesRising.com. Share this podcast. Catherine Hayhoe, environmental scientist, says, just start by doing something, anything, and then talk about it. Talk about how it matters. Talk about how it matters with your friends and family. Connect the dots and you can make a difference. Stay tuned for more episodes. Until next time.